listening to a 9to5.cc podcast. Hey, you're listening to the 9to5 Entertainment System. On this episode, the episode you're listening to right now, we talk about strikes and elections. We talk about the Barbie movie. We talk about hunting in Venice. We talk about Captain Marvel and the multiverse. And we talk a lot about a comic from, I don't know, the 70s. It's Scott's favorite comic. It's a Marvel 2-in-1 featuring thing, annual number 7, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we get into that. Um, listen, if you enjoy 90s, I really want you to go to patreon.com slash 9to5cc and consider supporting us either at the uh, regular $1 level or you can upgrade to the I Love 90s level where you will get access to Garbage Time, which is a bonus 90s that we record after each and every episode. Uh, on this bonus episode, we talk about Expedition to the Barrier Peaks and Adventure Time and obviously a bunch of other things. You know you know how we do. Sit back, relax, and enjoy us talking nerd stuff in your ear. It's an opening monologue. <laughs> like, Scott, you participated in civil action. I would be delighted to hear about that. I've never oh, struck okay. anything. I mean, yeah, I was on strike for like two hours. Because aren't I'm, you guys still technically on strike? Come on, man. Because, like, like this is. The, I'll tell you my favorite strike story, Scott. You guys should just provide. Uh, services at rush hour, like they did in the metro, when, the, when like the when the uh, when public transportation was on. Strike. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sir. You'll have to come back with your heart attack at a more convenient time. I mean, uh-huh. my yeah. understanding is that, and then you how... should ask for the same pay as bus drivers. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, I would get a pay raise if I went to go work in uh, STM housekeeping, just hosing down metro cars, mm-hmm. like a significant pay raise. They get a lot of money, those guys. They get a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my understanding about just waiting until someone's really in danger seems to be how some states are managing abortions. Right? Like, so, like, I think it's Texas. Texas has the really weird one that they can only do an abortion if, like, the life of the mother is in danger. So there was, like, there's, like, been some, like, harrowing stories of, like, okay, people with, okay, like, dangerous okay, pregnancies. It's not, it has nothing to do with any of that. It has to do with growing more slaves. Right, it's important to continue no, that no, no, no. process. I, I, so that's what's going on here. I understand that, but I was likening yeah. Scott, you know, only doing ER work until someone was like really dying. They're like, "I get it, you're missing your arm." Or I mean, I mean, I'm working in the essential workers' field. We we can strike by slowing things down a little bit. That's that's kind of how it, it works. I All mean, the strike there... action was scheduled, and people were off for a little bit, and then. You know, you wave a sign at some cars driving by, and they honk their horns. Beep, beep. Well, Everyone there, else there goes to the hospital and they're like, oh, right. why is this slow? You go. There, there, there's good, good logic to that, because if, if there was not controls on that, there would be the potential for abusive strike action, which is how we have the bus driver situation. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so it's important that there are controls on that, but it, we should be furious and outraged every time they try explaining that they need to cut the budget from hospitals when they are increasing the budget for, I don't know, abusing minorities in our province. You know? <laughs> any any mm-hmm. amount of funding whatsoever into the Office de la Langue Française. Right. <laughs> like, versus healthcare. 
You know, like, yeah. oh man, it, I mean, well, we it's, talked about sometimes this, it's directly versus healthcare. Yeah, exactly. When they come into your hospital and just like, hey, you must spend ten million dollars to like make sure your photocopy your screen uh, update signage is, is please. currently in French. That is crazy. Is that a real story? That's a real story. That's that is a, that's, up. that's that is a very frequent story. Hey, your little timestamper here says uh, February F E B instead of F E V. <laughs> and to be clear, and to be clear, you work at the English hospital. Yeah, I work at the McGill University Health Center. Yeah, 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 yeah. which provides English services. Is what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, but we talked about this. I think during bilingual the pandemic. services, bilingual services. Just sure. you know, you get a contract, you buy a bunch of photocopiers from Japan, and you say like, "Whoa, we have to protect our culture." It's like, well, what are you even doing here? Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. What culture? It's a photocopier. Well, the, the really, really important thing is that the pores hate each other because if they're busy hating each other, they will not be busy hating the people who keep them poor. It's really quite quite simple. and mm-hmm. there, Nobody should be surprised at this point. It's been happening for all of our lives. I mean, yeah, and for, furthermore, just like, again, if you want to boil everything down, it goes down to elections. And, yeah, like if you if you make the entire population, like, like enraged – and like you do have a French majority, you'll just get to get, keep that French majority in the vote. That is the way to maintain power in Quebec. I don't know that we can even blame like the French. It's it's not fair to the vast majority of Quebecers who are not like that, right? There's like a like a minority population of Quebecers who are, and they have more votes than everyone else because we don't live in a, yeah. in a just society. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But it was, it's just like how like urban urban voting. To be fair though, that that does not exist. The the misrepresentational voting does not exist as much on the provincial level as it does on the federal level. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Am yeah, I yeah. wrong about all this? How, how, yeah. how much it, is it, It's not like, like in the... I, I mean, there are still like certain places where like they'll have 1.5 of our votes or whatever else, but it, it right. never gets as crazy as on the federal voting where there's it's people like have six like... six to one. Yeah. yeah, sometimes there's like four or five, six to one. Like it's, it's some of the votes I think get close to being two to one, but most of them are like one point whatever. I really like tried to dig through... I was bored on a pandemic one day and I tried yeah. to big, dig through some rural writings that I thought would be like... Hey, I wonder how bad this is. And uh, apparently it's not it's not that bad. There's just there's so many yeah. writings even in the states that are also still like gerrymandered to make sure that like the like right. like certain <laughs> cores well, are like, going to be voting in a certain way. At least at least our like neighborhoods votes kind of kind of make sense. They they follow like actual map lines rather than mm. you know crazy gerrymandered well, but they still kind of like lump, like like together. in the t- depending on where I'm voting, I've either been part of the like a Sudwest vote or a Ville Marie vote, which I know I'm close to kind of both, but I'm just sort of like I'm like how did this has changed? I want to say twice since I've lived in Point St. Charles, which is still like I was like there's something happening with where my vote goes. Both of these vote ridings are kind of like liberal or this most recently NDP, like they're they're in zero danger of electing a conservative or a PQ vote. But like they've swayed my actual address into Ville Marie or into the Sudwest, depending on how the votes go. Yeah, like, but at depend- least it's like not you you live in the riding of Verdun, the Sudwest, and Beaconsfield. Like Yeah. Connected by like just one street all the way along yeah, and then like three or four ups and downs to yeah, get yeah, crap not, the right neighborhood. Not but not crazy crazy. Yeah. But yeah, but like if you look about- at a map, it looks like an actual chunk of, of the city and not like a weird 
Jigsaw yeah, yeah, they're not not these weird like use and loops around and stuff. Like, yeah. yeah, I think like John Oliver did a thing about gerrymandering, and obviously he's gonna like cherry pick the absolute most banana like voting district mm-hmm. maps to like illustrate how point like weird it is. But like, yeah, some of them are s- insane. Like you're like yeah. there there is no way to like justify this like like a big area then a little line then another big area and you're like well what's up with that like area on the other side you're like that's poor people and they get like lumped into with this other one where it's like swirled around like it's super weird but anyway but we talked about this during the pandemic though uh, how like how to how to fix healthcare spending uh, who knows it's a mystery like every single sol- every single solitary provincial government that we've had from the CAC to the PQ to the liberals every everyone for the last like 20 years or whatever has substantial substantially cut like healthcare funding across the board so like you know like you can show up at the polls and you're like and vote who because even part of like Legault's re-election policy was to be like don't worry this will never happen again oh man pandemic's over this is phew, time to cut again yeah it's bad. Okay, so silly stuff. What silly, frivolous things can we distract ourselves with? Uh, I watched the Barbie movie. Wow, the Barbie movie. That couldn't have been a better fucking segue. <laughs> Tell me about Barbie. I mean, written by, written and directed, well, written by Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig, and then directed by Greta Gerwig. Scott, John just made it face like this was just discovery to him. Like he I, didn't, I didn't he didn't know. He didn't know Maybe the you de- said it on another podcast, but I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, I know, but I mean, like, you're a fan of Noah Baumbach. Have you not been up to what his yeah. recent work is? I mean, I guess between the three of us, I watched uh, White Power. White Power. White, uh, white Pride? White, white Pride. I don't know. I mean, no, you've also watched Voices. public Squid, Squid yeah, and the Whale. You probably watched. Yeah. Like, you've done some, some bomb back. Uh, yeah. Um, so I, my first first takeaway from the Barbie movie is it's it's really, really a shame. Despite the fact that he's the villain. But, like, it's really a shame that on a movie that is, like, so proudly feminist from, from very start to finish... That like Ryan Gosling is by far the best part of the film by like a mile, and I was he's like, it villain? sucks. He's the yeah, he's the Ken. How is Ken the villain? Well, so so he was the, like the side piece for Barbie. Yeah, but then he goes to the real world and discovers the patriarchy, and then brings the patriarchy back to back to Barbie Land, and he's like the patriarchy. So it sets it up that it's like it's in Barbie Land, right? And every Barbie is like a, an avatar of a Barbie that is actually being played with in the real world. But they still kind of, like, go about their day, not necessarily being, like, played with. Like, there aren't big giant hands, but they're just like, we're going to the beach, and we're going to whatever else. And at, much like, based upon Barbie land, like, Barbie has all the jobs, for the most part, right? If you talk about, like, there's, like, President Barbie, and, like, Dr. Barbie, and whatever else like that. And then Ken is just, you know, Barbie's side piece. So in Barbie land, they're, like, really second-class citizens. Like it's, And there's so much, like, hilarious dialogue where he's just sort of like, like, are you a lifeguard? And Ken is like, that's a misconception. I'm actually beach. <laughs> <laughs> my job is very clear beach can <laughs> like it, they're like and amazing stuff like that and anyway so then um the main barbie stereotypical barbie as she is called uh played by margot robbie uh suddenly like stops having like high heel feet like her feet go flat and then she also gets like a bit of cellulite so she's like what the hell is going on and then weirdo barbie uh played by What's her name? Saturday Night Live. Saturday Kate Night McKinnon. Live. Kate McKinnon. Yeah. Weirdo Barbie is like, hey, that means that whoever's playing with you, something's gone wrong. There's a way to like sneak into the real world and see what's going on. As long as you just like fix whoever's playing with you, it, it'll be fine. 
And then Ken sneaks along in the same way. And again, he's used to being like a second class citizen, being Beach Ken. And then he like gets there and he's like, whoa, guys are in charge here. And like he just sees like bros like fist pounding and all that stuff and goes to the library and he's like, this is amazing. I want to be in charge. I'm going to take my learnings and bring it back to Barbie land. <laughs> and, and like it's also great where he's like, including like hilarious lines where he's like des- describing the patriarchy to like the other Kens where he's just sort of like, I thought it was about men and horses being on equal footing and in charge of everything. But it's not. The horses are just extensions of the man <laughs> anyway obviously super fun absurd kind of nonsense and then they uh they realize that they've been treat kind of treating their kens like second class citizens and that's just like the opposite of what they should have done and barbie land kind of gets gets better and then the end of the end of the day barbie turns real mm-hmm. uh plus there's like a, da- a ken and dance does fight. she star in the wolf of wall street yes do do any of the uh, toys that they made a movie about um, urinate on like a government official? Mm, no, but the end. Okay, is... so that already puts it above the Transformers adaptation because I saw Optimus Prime take a leak on a government official in that first movie, and I was like, <laughs> "Weird." Thanks, I thought you were going to say Garbage Pail Kids, but then nope, it was the Transformers. Yeah, no, he just. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's a scene that stuck with me forever. She does get a vagina at the end, though. So that happens. She becomes like a real human and has to go visit the gynecologist. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there is that. But also, the, one of the most hilarious scenes in the whole thing is where, like, Ken, like, multiple Kens are like, hey, do you want to watch me play? It's like, do you want to watch me play guitar while I stare at you? <laughs> and, and they all sing Matchbox 20s push. i wanna push you around and i will and i will and ryan ryan gosling's matchbox 20 impersonation is like just like had had me like dying of laughter (laughs) i was like what a weird it's such a good choice completely slamming matchbox 20 like how long hey 20 i I almost expected wonderwall you know i mean same yeah. Wonderwall would have been good, but I want to push you like push you around and push you down yeah, and whatever. Good. Like it's it's great. That has to be taken from real life. There has to be something from the writers that were just like they were. Oh, remember party. that guy at that party? Yeah, who was like, yeah. I, like he was so into it. This is one of my favorite songs. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just like they're like it's like just like a pen or whatever, like panning shot like along the beach, and it's like every Ken singing to a different Barbie like in unison, just like. <laughs> Playing Matchbox Twenty, uh, yeah, it, it's funny. It's funny. It's worth watching. I liked it. It was uh, enjoyable. It was sure uh, as 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 Ryan George so often does, kind of like nailed it in the pitch meeting. Like at one point, there's kind of like poking fun of all the normal stuff, and then for about like thirty straight seconds in the pitch meeting, he's like, "And if you think about it, the patriarchy's bad, and it's not fair to women. And if you really stop and think about it, patriarchy, huge problem for women." And it, like the patriarchy is a bit of an issue, like he's just like like the producer man's like, "What are you going?" And he's like, "Hang on, just one second. And he writes like, "Patriarchy is bad," and then crumples it up and just like throws it at the producer guy's face. He's like, "Did you just hit me in the face with the point you're making?" Sure did. And he's like, "Now he's like, now try to get mad about it. You can't." <laughs> Yikes. Okay, okay, hold on. The, the key, the key thing I think about this movie, more or less than ninety minutes long. 
Uh, I think it's like an hour 45. So, like, it, it overstays its welcome a little bit. But part of that overstaying its welcome is the, the uh, um, I'm Just Ken song, which is very, very worth. Okay. <laughs> like, where he's like, I'm just Ken. And, like, he's just, like, singing and having, like, a really slow motion dance fight against other Kens. It's pretty good. At any point, do they detonate the ice pack? Uh, they do not detonate the ice pack, but that they already sh- puts it ahead of the G.I. Joe movie. Then. Why are you saying detonating the ice pack was a bad thing? I think detonating the ice pack was like the greatest thing. That detonating the ice pack to have the ice sink to the bottom was was a bad thing. That's yeah, that's but like it was such a Cobra Commander moment. Is that not being... pure G.I. Joe? I mean, <laughs> yeah, just like we're doing the ocean. Yeah, that that delivery. I I like. I think I clapped when Joseph Gordon-Levitt yeah. yelled, "Detonate the ice pack!" I was like, that I mean, might be the only moment of that movie. I don't yeah, just think I recall the line. Anything. The line was fine. The the visual graphic of the ice sinking slowly to the bottom <laughs> of the ocean was not. Because ice can sink, oh, obviously, God. Scott. It's... They have the weather dominator and stuff. Oh, uh, if yeah, they would no. have just made a shot-for-shot remake of the weather dominator series, <laughs> take my money. But yeah, so patriarchy is bad is the the message. But at the same time, I'm like, and I get it, it's kind of like slapping you in the face with it. But it also was like a movie that made a billion dollars at the box office and like did well globally. So I was like, I know it's kind of in your face, but like it is operating in like the same like place as like marvel movies and like white chicks you know like what exactly would be the gender distribution of the producers listed at the end of the film a lot of women maybe just the executive producers awful lot of women yeah 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 there was like a ton but i but also i mean obviously it's not gonna go like insane it still had like mattel's sign off and whatever else it's not gonna be like ultra subversive but like the fact that they the fact that they took something that was like an ultra safe guaranteed money maker like and had any kind of a message you know what i mean like they didn't have to have a message with a movie like Barbie. They didn't need that. Transformers didn't have a message. G.I. Joe didn't have a message. Like, none of the Marvel movies are even... Okay, okay, okay. Uh, Hold like, on a second. None of that has gender baked into it like Barbie does. But it didn't, in, exactly, like, but it could have just been, like, Barbie goes on a venture to the real world to, like, find the person who's playing with her, and it could have been, like, a Toy Story-style deal. Like, it didn't have to I'm, have, like... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to argue with you there, John. Like, Transformers definitely had gender baked into it in the amount of market research marketing directed <laughs> not for girls it was in big bold letters <laughs> like the, in the marketing meetings they're like we're going to make a toy that's going to appeal to boys aged four to seven and if they're older than seven we're not going to market it to them that's bad we want specifically boys between the ages of four and seven we're gonna have cars that have guns and they turn into robots that have guns okay but but is not there like this like hyper aggressive smash the patriarchy kind of this kind of in the same the same targeting of of young women to oh yeah absolutely positive, you know i mean like whatever i'm watching fast and the furious i'm not i know what i'm getting into it's yeah. cars and family if, if barbie wants to be <laughs> like smash the patriarchy i'm like cool that's on brand it's exactly they drive to the moon yet they're gonna drive to the moon right they went to space they, they went to space already it was a bad that was my favorite scene so far i think of the whole series they're in like a... they're in the car just being like I don't think we're real, man. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, what's his what name? What are you talking about? <laughs> we, are, yeah. we are fictional characters. We're in a Fiero in <laughs> outer space. We should have died. Well, yeah. Well, what's his name? Rome? 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 Roman? Roman. Roman, Roman yeah. starts thinking about that a lot in that movie. I haven't seen the latest one, but I hope I hope that line of thought thinking happens. He's like, he's like, think about it. We were surrounded by like a hundred guys with guns. They all shot at us. 
You only ripped your jacket. That was the only bullet went through your jacket. None of them hit us. I don't think we can die. <laughs> and everyone's like, you're crazy, Roman. Like, Stop talking crazy stuff. This is just, we're, we're, we're really good at what we do. We're yeah. in a car in space. <laughs> got the barbecue scene. He's like, we took a car to space. That's not any kind of normal. <laughs> Self slowly, slowly self becoming self aware. Roman is is the greatest like subplot of those movies. Mm-hmm. What is happening here? Anyway, I understand. Smash the patriarchy is certainly only exists as a like as a marketing ploy, but it's still in the world of international cinema, at least, where like a trans flag that was in the background of Across the Spider Verse got a movie pulled out of cinemas in certain parts of the world. It is, a, like I said, maybe not bold, but, like, it's at least, I think, at least somewhat admirable that with a giant international release, they, they could have gone a safer route. I think in North America, it's absolutely fine. Like, North America and yeah. Europe, there's nothing transversive about it. But the fact that this movie got released in all those international markets with that storyline, yeah. that's where I think it's it's a little maybe. interesting. They they potentially turned their back on, like, I mean, I think they must have. I don't see how that could come out in Okay, okay, China. so it's subversive for fucking Neanderthals. Yeah, exactly. But which oh, is, which, like I said, it didn't have to be, right? Like that really? was that was it. It could have just been Transformers or whatever, and just been like Barbie. Could have just been like a. It could have been like girl power in the Spice Girl sense, without any actual like. Hey, the real world is hard. Is shitty for women. Like you know, like that is a thing that they Keith, deal. I, with. You, I think you need to rewatch the Spice Girls movie. Spice World definitely is kind of subversive with it. Boy, is that a segue? <laughs> or is that a segue? Because I think that's what we call a segue over here on the 90s. Are you going to watch Spice World? I love Spice World. Are you? Have you seen it already? I've seen it like multiple times, yeah. That's oh, good. Okay. John, it's I know. It's, it's, I'm, it's, I'm unsegueing now. It's, it's good <laughs> and it's funny. Like, it's honestly like there, it, it's, it, it's like it operates really in that same spot as like the Monkeys TV show. Like, how, like, you know, like when the Monkeys TV show was like firing all cylinders, it got like almost Python esque. Like, mm-hmm. Spice World is very, very much the, like, spiritual sequel to, like, the Monkeys tel- television show. Weird. Yeah. Hmm. You should check it it's, out. It's way, day. way better than you think it, it should be. And it's, it's, it's sharp and self-effacing and self-aware. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And, like, hyper, hyper absurdist, too. Yeah. And what's his face is in it? The guy. I'm oh, Boris. Alan... I'm invincible. Alan Cummings. Alan Cummings, yeah. Yeah. Alan Cummings is a pretty good uh, segue because he's a Shakespearean actor like Kenneth Branagh, who is in The Haunting of Venice. The Haunting of Venice. Hey! Mm, Segway machine. Do you know that that's his third third, Yeah, because they did uh, Murder on the Orient Express and whatever, Murder on the Nile, and now it's Haunting of Venice. Death on the Nile, yeah. And they've come out like almost every year or two. Kenneth Branagh just like, this is my retirement money. Every every two years, he was making a new one, just getting a bunch of big Hollywood actors and uh, smashing them together into an Agatha Christie movie. Uh, before you get to The Haunting of Venice, I watched Death on the Nile, and I liked it, much in the same way that I liked uh, Murder on the Orient Express. But I also, by the time Death on the Nile had come out, I had already seen like both Knives Out stories, and it kind of just made me wish it was Knives Out, where I was like, this is not, like, I was like, oh, I get it. Like, Knives Out works because, like, these movies and stories exist mm-hmm. already and have set up, have done all the work. But this is not nearly as, like, 
fun or self-aware or have anything. You're just like this is just this is just the the playing it straight mystery without it any. It feels a like, little pretentious, honestly. The the I didn't see a that Kenneth Branagh film. Who'd have thought? Yeah, <laughs> written and directed and starring Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> Kenneth Branagh. Does um, he, he has them all, right? Does he? He must have. Is he an EGOT? No, he probably doesn't have a Grammy. <laughs> like, no, I don't think so. I know he, he's got to be close to like a triple crown for like writing, directing, and acting, though. Like that's got to be a thing that he's he's, if not yeah. obtained, is at least chasing. Well, I don't know if he's chasing so much with these movies, but he definitely is having a better time. And I agree with you, Keith, on your point of them just being kind of. Uh, cut out straightforward, mm-hmm. which is why the addition in this third movie of Tina Fey is delicious. Because as, as mystery writer um, Olivia something who's like the Agatha Christie Newton John. The Agatha Christie out, proxy? Yeah, that follows Hercule Poirot around to write mystery novels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Poirot says some weird shit and she calls him on it and like they kind of have good banter back and forth. Example that. Um, what does he say? Because you cannot life... wake the bear and expect him not to dance a tango. She looks at him. She's like, "That is not a saying in any language." <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that's nonsense, Hercule. <laughs> you're you're out just... of your goddamn mind. <laughs> Like he says it, like he's he's staring intently, and he's like, "You did this. This is your fault. You can't wake the bear and expect him not to tango." And she's like, "Yeah, it is. That is nothing. <laughs> what you've just said is not a thing." And it's it's great. He just kind of nods sheepishly, like mm, that. I did just make that up. Well, yeah, like it's it's he's he's a notorious weirdo, right? Like the whole like measuring of the eggs and all that stuff, and like whatever it is like like that's that's the whole premise and it's like the the basis of uh benoit blanc right like is yep. very much a hercule poirot the southern yeah, gentleman for sure, for except sure. for being a french man with a british accent i, I would say haunting in <laughs> venice is more fun i'll bet because death on the nile was a little dry like was, orient, on, yeah. orient express was like the classic and then death on the nile i was like okay it's like this but it's a boat and it, it takes it stops way too many times that movie like they stop the boat they get off they go look at a thing something bad happens they get back on the boat the boat stops yeah. they go and it happens too much haunting in venice because it's wrapped around this like not only a murder mystery but also kind of a supernatural mystery mm-hmm. where like he's seeing things things are freaking happening and they're on camera but he also got hit really hard in the head <laughs> at one point. So you're kind of like, is, is it? But it keeps it more visually interesting when you're just like, mm. oh, there's some creepy stuff kind of. Yeah, whereas I was like, I, I always liked uh, like Orient Express because it is like, essentially, it's like a locked room mystery for the most part, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's just the part of the room point. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So, like, that, that always, as a, as a, Subgenre to the mystery genre, like I like that where you're just sort of like I have all the pieces in front of me and like let let's watch the writer like play with it. Whereas I guess yeah, Death in the Nile like that they're stopping and they're getting off and they're getting on and you're like Meh. they're solving a mystery. Yeah, it removes it some have... of the tension, yeah. right? Glass Onion does that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, recommend it. It was fun. Like, there were parts where I laughed out loud. Marissa laughed out loud, and 
again, Tina Fey is just a great counterpoint got it. to the pretentiousness. Just mm-hmm. just like that that bit of sour in something that's very salty, kind of. Like, oh, I... And she tells him, she's like, Poirot, you can't talk about Kang. Any amount of time talking about Kang is a waste of time. No one will get it. <laughs> no one will understand <laughs> if you're talking about television. You can't make Kang references. <laughs> uh, uh, did you finish Loki, Scott? I did. I'm one episode behind, and I have to wait for my wife to get back. So now you brought it up so we can't talk about it? Well, no, I just wanted to know overall, without, without spoiling the ending, how did it end? Because I've, I've stayed spoiled for you, but I didn't know. Because I've heard the, the only thing that makes me sad is that the writers have, well, they pretty much said that there is no Loki 3, and which is fine, because I don't think they need to keep doing these shows, but it does mean the end of the greatest duo in MCU history. So, that's the sad part. One, yeah, no, definitely. They're, they're, God, they're so good together. Uh, <laughs> Loki, it ends Loki very, and Mobius. It ends very satisfactorily, mm-hmm. in a way that is final, mm-hmm. and also kind of ties it back into the Thor movies in a nice little way that I, I liked. And not overtly. Like, something happens and I'm like, oh, that's the thing from the Norse thing. I like that. Neat. Um, I can see the TVA and Loki being important going forward. Kind but the show of is the, over. But, yeah, the, the show is not. Yeah, but it's kind of like how they're in the comics, right? Like every now and then, like the TVA just like pops in, and they're like, "Hey," and you're like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" Like the end, but then they otherwise, like two or three years of comics go by without them even being like thought about or referenced or anything else. But then every now and then, the yeah, TVA they're, they're kind of like they're like mini watchers, right? They show mm-hmm. up, and you're like, "Oh, something's going to happen," or something just did happen that we didn't see. I really like the show. I'm I'm happy that. It was there, uh, considering how much I really hated Secret Invasion, and um, I didn't even bother the Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion was tra- Miss Marvel. I watched two episodes and was like, "What?" Miss Marvel, Mar- I didn't, I didn't watch either because it was like, "Oh, it's just Spider-Man again." Yeah, and it's and it's also like very much for kids. Like it's a it's a kids show. Like yeah. it, it would be it could be like on Disney afternoon. Sorry. Yeah, and it it also had nothing for me. I, I liked She-Hulk. I know a lot of people didn't like She-Hulk. But She-Hulk, I found, was just just dumb in the dumb She-Hulk way that the comic books are. Mm-hmm. Not 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 Avengers, you, like where I, she's there to like be part of the team and smash stuff. Her own comic book is fucking stupid and weird. So uh, I'm like, glad the show is stupid and weird. Have you heard about some of the, like, why the MCU, and I mean, so I guess, like, yeah, the Marvels is has had the weakest opening, I want to say, of any Marvel movie. It came out to only, like, $50 million. It's probably, like, I think they're hoping for maybe two or 300 worldwide. I think the, and that's... the weakest one in a long time. I think well, it's the weakest one ever. Ones. It's the weakest Was one it ever? ever. Yeah, 47 yeah, million it. on the opening weekend. Yeah, so that's it. It's the, which is even lower than, like, Eternals and stuff, because... Boy, yeah. that one, that one. Nobody said a good. I never heard a good word. And, and I mean, and that's what I think. That's what's like a bummer about it is like apparently the thing that like works in the film is the, 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 the chemistry between the Marvels themselves. Yeah. And people were saying that like, boy, they were like, this movie. Not to say it necessarily would have been like a night and day difference, but you're like, you could probably have put a couple million dollars on top of that opening weekend if the three actresses were allowed to do 
like um, like press tours and stuff like that. Like they're like you line those three people up on the couch, and apparently their chemistry is great, at least in the film. Assuming that translates to real life, and people would be like, "Whoa, what a fun movie with this like diverse like." Like three different races, different ages, different whatever, and they're all just like bouncing around and bouncing things off each other and stuff. You'd be like, "That's fun and cool," but because of the actor strike, that didn't happen. So, like, the one thing that the movie had going for it apparently is like the quirky chemistry between these three like disparate characters, and like the you know press machine didn't get to like put that on. Like, it's almost as if the studios should have agreed to pay the actors and allowed them to do these you things. You know, it would have been crazy. before it cost them hundreds of millions of dollars on this one project. Yep, yep. Apparently, it's like, I mean, the the word I've heard is that it's like it's fine. There's probably, like I said, not being able to do press probably hurt it. Uh, superhero fatigue probably hurt it. They're like, it's it's better than the results. Is like almost every review that I read about it. They're like, it's fun. It's goofy. It's silly. It, like, does, with a real convoluted, messed up plot, navigates it, whatever, and they're like, but really just leans into, like, the fun of a Marvel movie without necessarily getting, like, doing that thing where it gets, like, super heavy and dark in the third act as much as, like, it obviously gets serious, they gotta save the world, but, like, it doesn't, like, transition, because that was, like, what pissed me off about Ant-Man the most, was I was like, you gotta pick a lane. Like, are you, are you funny and ridiculous? Or are you now like, that's my daughter and I'm serious? You're like, yeah, but Paul Rudd, you were joking about the big head Modoc guy a second. And now you're joking about him again. Like, you can't, like, mm-hmm. you, you're, you can't tonally shift like that. Like, or you can, but you need to be, like, a really good director. Like, James Gunn can do it. <laughs> but, like, he, he yeah. does it well. <laughs> you know? But, like, you can't Not just... Me. you can't just I got a question <laughs> about Loki. Yo. You're, you're all up on it. Okay, last... Last week, we talked about how Marvel has never done anything at the quality level of DC when it's when it's firing on all cylinders in, in the comic, comic books. books. In yeah. the comic books. So let's in say comic, Loki yeah. was a comic book. How would that rank on the, like, real, you know, up against Year One or Arkham Asylum or Dark Knight or Long Halloween? Well, not even close. Those, those, those you know? Batman Yeah, but I, I was going to say, but those are, those are, like, darker books, though. <laughs> It doesn't have to be dark to be good. The the real appeal of Loki is one the the on screen chemistry of Owen Wilson and Tom yeah. Hiddleston. Yeah, Hiddleston and, and Wilson. Is it's not a, it's not a script strength. It's it's their like actual man. They're really they're best friends. You can tell right away that they're going to be best friends. That they became best friends, and that that everything hinges on their trusting one another it's it's very cool to see and two the goddamn set design of that show is so good <laughs> that if it was just drawn by an excellent artist it would not be the same as walking having, around through having some a camera giant, moving around in it yeah endless 1962 corporate headquarter nightmare lands i would rank loki at least so far like season one and two if you like put them together as like films they're like somewhere in the top 10 i think of like marvel things mm-hmm. that have and happened if you're putting them into tv shows they're up there with daredevil yeah if, and they're, like they're fun and i think they have rewatch value and and I, I was gonna say i mean at least and if two is over and you said it was a really good and satisfying ending like it doesn't jump mm-hmm. the goddamn shark like daredevil does so maybe <laughs> it gets above daredevil <laughs> uh, i mean if you're comparing season to season, yeah, I think like Daredevil one is kind of like the gold standard for Marvel TV shows. But if you're comparing overall series, Daredevil gets bad. <laughs> like, does it? Yeah. Daredevil. 
the third one? Fuck, it's bad. I did not like the third season it at all. Not, not watchable. The third season is what? Kingpin in the... Uh, in no. protective custody and Bullseye chasing him around? Yes. Third season is Bullseye. Season that's 2 not, is Punisher and Electro. bad. It's not good. It's, it's fine. And Kingpin wait, is wait, so good Wait, we're talking about that. King Arrow here. You're right. Kingpin was really good. That's Kingpin's the, always really good. And that's yeah. why he was also the best part of the Hawkeye show. He was he was in a lot of season three of Daredevil. I like the Hawkeye show. I feel that like that one gets overlooked a lot. You know what? Fun. I'm confusing yeah, it, it with West's face, Iron Fist. Oh, Iron Fist, Iron Fist was on, real on bad. Hard Defenders hard was not great. Yeah. Defenders was not great. And that's that's the one that happens after Daredevil, I think. Yeah. With Luke Cage and Jessica Jones and Iron Fist. He gets kind of muddled up and yeah, he's like, oh, you're you're like blind and punchy. All of them have superpowers. I mean, it sort of worked. Jessica Jones one is good. Luke Cage one is good. Daredevil's pretty good. I'd say I'd say like the first first half of Luke Cage one is good. Once what's this? Like the second the second act or the throw the second half with the even, other bad guy is not as great. Even season two isn't so so bad with um, not Killmonger, but. Uh, Bushmaster. He's pretty cool looking. Not Killmonger. <laughs> okay. Bushmaster. Bushmaster. All right. And Killmonger would have been a great tie-in. Oh, yeah. He was great. I don't understand why they don't bring back really awesome villains who knock it out of the park. Oh, I mean, well, that's, Loki. <laughs> that's Loki. That's <laughs> Loki. They found their one. Yeah. They, Although, I mean, the Kill- Kill- Killmonger does get, uh, has like a, a really, really good cameo in the second Black Panther. Like, like it's. I mean, it's like a full scene. Yeah, it's, cool. it's not like a, it's. It's like it's. It's not. I mean, when I say cameo, it's not just like whoa, blink and you miss it. It's Sur- yeah. surprise appearance. It's surprise appearance. He's not in any of the stuff, and it's also like it, it doesn't. It's not a flashback either, which is like I think kind of interesting. It's like when uh, when Shuri is like ascending into the Black Panther, and like one of her ancestors is supposed to like commune with her and like gift her the thing or whatever else like that. It's Killmonger, and she's like, "What are you doing here?" And he's like. Man, I don't know. You called me. Like, what do you want? What's up, Codes? <laughs> He's like, let's talk. And she's like, oh, boy. Like, it's just, like, expecting all of her, like, myriads of ancestors. And instead, it's her uncle who, like, you know, basically tried to kill everybody that she knows. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good scene. And, like, it's, like I said, super well-performed by both of them, actually. Like, a, a scene with I mean, all the, like, right tension and stuff that you don't always get in a Marvel movie. Here's the here's the thing with the Marvels. Like, I didn't really like Captain Marvel. Oh yeah, I watched fine. Captain Marvel a week or two ago. I don't know if we talked about but, that. So yeah, Captain Marvel. I saw I watched Captain Marvel. <laughs> I, I thought it was okay, but like not great. I thought it was. I don't care about the Skrulls. Mm-hmm. They don't, it doesn't make me care about the Skrulls. Uh, I thought Brie Larson was good. Okay, <laughs> she was fine. They undercut her at every opportunity by use of the soundtrack. Yeah. I'm I'm a serious superhero war captain with serious powers and I'm fighting serious threats. But she's not that I'm serious. She's the girl in the world. I'm like what they really like it it was it was again, not not to be beleaguer the point about <clears throat> shifting tones. It was really they were like, Boy, James Gunn nailed it and then like someone trying to do a James Gunny like needle drop and whatever because they're like we're in the 90s we can drop 90s tracks and you're like Ugh. like mm. but yeah but she like she's not necessarily like why like something i didn't know 
about this movie until I watched it is that it heavily features Jude Law. Jude Law, everybody. He's the main mm-hmm. bad guy. Speaking of Marvel not having good bad guys. I don't know his name, and I saw the movie like two days ago. He's one of the Kree or whatever. Yep. And I think that that's, that's a big weird part of it is that, like, like the Kree and the Shire and the Skrulls and whatever else are so, like, sometimes good guys, sometimes bad guys, depending on the comics, that it's, like, it's so murky even in the comics that it's, like, it doesn't... Like, while I'm watching it, I'm like, okay, yeah, but, like, the Krees are not all the way bad. And, like, the Skrulls aren't all the way bad either. And, like, the Shires are bad. Shires are bad times sometimes. You know, like, Gladiator can be a dick. Like, Shiar. 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 Okay, fine. Fine, Stanley. Whatever. I always say the Shire Empire. I don't know why. It does look good. Yeah, no, that's... That's rough. S-H-I is shy. S-H-E is she. Mm-hmm. You don't say I'm wearing a shirt. It's a shirt. You don't go to the sheer. It's the shire. It's the shire, right? It's not spelled shire. It's sh- it's S-H-I apostrophe A-R. Yeah, S-H-I. If you see S-H-I, you say shy or she. Dude, it's just pronounced I just pronounce it like it's supposed to be pronounced. How do you know it's supposed to be pronounced? It existed in writing. Just someone just... It's a made-up space town. Yes, but made-up writers told you how to pronounce it. Nonsense. Whatever we say, robot, not robot. I say robot. Okay. What's a robot? Isaac, Isaac Asimov says robot. <laughs> oh my <Yeah>. god. <laughs> anyway, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, all three of them are so like you're looking up the the encyclopedia. Is there a pronunciation guide in like the Marvel? Yes, there is. He has a pronunciation guide. <laughs> I'm a, under A for alien races. <laughs> hold, on, hold on, can you run f- through a couple of them just really quickly? Just name them. Of the one. alien races? Yeah. I'm curious. Take off the glasses. So oh, you boy. Can I mean, well, Kree, Shi'ar, uh... The Fomohauti, the Froma, the Glicks, the Grimosians. We haven't even the had Bruns, these guys in the MCU. The Guna, the Herusians, the Interdites. That's all kinds of alien races here. What about the one who gets the hammer of Thor? What's his face? The, the, the guy Bell? whose face looks... Yeah, Beta Ray Bell... What is he? What is Beta Ray Bill? Well, hang on. I gotta go all the way to B now. He's not under A for Alien <laughs> Horseman? <laughs> Maybe he's his own thing. It's his own thing. Beta Ray Bill. Isn't he getting like a show or something? Or there's like there's, there's something in the works, and I was like, please, yes. More like <laughs> more Beta Ray Bill. More Beta Ray Bill. <clears throat> now that like they're oh yeah, that was the thing. They were talking about like just all these like Marvel being a shit show and a disaster and whatever else. So, like, uh, Scott was talking about She-Hulk. So, like, apparently they were like, oh, She-Hulk went over budget and was a big mess. And the showrunner, like, now that they're kind of, like, digging in and, like, I guess certain people's, like, NDAs have scrapped. And they were like, yeah, we tried to, like, write around how many special effects we were going to have. And they were like, for instance, they were like, we had her hulking out for the first time in, like, episode four. She was always going to be the Hulk, but, like, we didn't have to, like, animate a transition to try to, like, save on budget. And then the, like, the executives were like, no, man, she's got to transform in this episode. She's got to transform here. She's got to transform here. Why did it go over budget? And they were like, because that's more than just, like, starting her in a CG thing and walking around versus animating an entire transition is a different thing. Like, you're like, apparently they're just like... Talking about crazy, crazy executive, like, meddling to the point and then, like, putting it on the show to be like, why did the show go over budget? 
And like the showrunner was like, "What do you what do you freaking want from us?" Like we tried to write around the fact that we were going to have nonstop like effect shots with a big green woman walking around at all times. So we tried to write around it, and they were like, "No, we we can't fail." And then they started to fail. Beta Ray Bill is a member of the Corbinite race. Corbinite. That's a very that's a Star Trek name. Oh. He's not really a Star Trek alien though. Horseman with a hammer. Well, he was kind of a Star Trek alien until he got the hammer or got mutated. Like his race is very. Um, they're like more humanoid with like weird skull faces. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that Shi'ar is pronounced Shi'ar. I guess so. I mean, it says it in the encyclopedia. <laughs> it says it in the encyclopedia. Yeah. Whatever. All that subject's changed. We're gonna wait till season. I mean, MCU. in theory, but it's also in the X Men cartoons and. Yeah, well. Yeah, the movies say they're in Earth. Uh, they're on Earth six one six now, so that doesn't make any sense. Oh, that was the best thing of the Loki finale, the six one six reveal. Now, just, just keep your ears open for the word six one six, and I always do, funny. like, because it was it was like a weird Easter egg in No Way Home, where Quentin Beck says six one six. Or not no way home, far from home, six one six. But you're like, yeah, but he's bullshitting. He just pulled those numbers out of thin air. He's not, yep. he's not actually from like an intergalactic situation. He's just Mysterio. He's an actor. <laughs> John, you uh, you looked uncertain. I don't know if I saw that one. Uh, it's the, the and I also don't know any of the six one six stuff is. So six one six is the comic, the main universe in the comics. The comics establish like numerous uh, multiverses, and they're all mm-hmm. numbered. And the the one where, like, our Spider-Man that we read about mostly is from 616. Like, the Ultimates universe is another one. The, like, 2099, I think, is... No, 2099 is 616, but in 2099? Is that right, Scott? No. No? No, it's it's different. It's its own thing? Then how does Miguel end up in 616? It's a multiverse thing? Multiverse thing. Not a time travel? So, 616, John, means 1961 in June. So that's the first publication date of Fantastic Four number one. Mm-hmm. The first in-canon Marvel Universe comic book. Okay. So 61-6. So all of the other like multiverses that have actually appeared are numerically coded like that. Mm-hmm. And then somehow they got referenced in the comics. And now like they'll make up other dumb numbers for other multiverses that weren't actually published as a multiverse kind of thing. But 616 stuck because June 1961 is when FF1 was was published. It's like a fun, super geek piece of knowledge. Sure. Yeah, so they, like, one one followed by five nines is the supposed to be the MCU. So, like, one nine 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 nine, which I don't know why. It's a weird... Because they made up a stupid number for because it, it was a movie they're like we need well, if, there's, if there's infinite right think of how mm-hmm. unlikely it is that the numbers would be so small no if for sure picking random ones but no but i'm just saying but it's um it was, but it was the comics it was the marvel comics that named the movie one that one because there's like something in the multiverse or whatever that they referenced the movie thing anyway whatever sure. yeah they drew robert down to junior once just like where are you from 
Well, I still have, I mean, technically they, they appear in, uh, in, what do you call it, in the, in the Spider-Verse comic when all the Spider-Mens are attacking and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, like, two, like, there's, like, two Spider-Men, like, duck behind, uh, like, duck behind some cover and they were like, oh, you got to reload your web shooters too? They're like, cool. They're like, some of these guys just shoot it straight out of their hands. They're like, that's crazy. And they were like, yo, did you see the guy from Seabiscuit? And they're like, yeah. They're like, did you see the guy from Social Network? They're like, I did. <laughs> I was like, that's great. <laughs> so yeah, they established that those are those are multiverses. But I also like that they're like, even though they're Spider-Men who are fighting the bad guy, in these Spider-Men's universe, they're still actors. <laughs> like, right. It's kind of weird that movies and TV shows don't exist in these universes. Well, I mean, those Spider-Men had seen Seabiscuit and Social Network. <laughs> it's one saying. It's, it's, it's refreshing because otherwise they're like... Well, yeah, well, it's okay. it's it's that weird thing of like, and I feel like they talk about it like pretty often in Guardians of the Galaxy. Like Guardians of the Galaxy make like a reasonable number of like Star Wars references, like in the comics, or <laughs> like Quill's like just like Star Wars, and then I'm like, but like nothing stops Marvel from having a Star Wars crossover where Peter Quill could get into the Marvel universe or the the Star Wars universe, and then he'd be like. Wait, but I, I know about these movies in canon and what is happening. Hey, that guy's your father. What? <laughs> Oops. I didn't realize at which point of the universe I was in. <clears throat> I didn't know I was at the beginning. Oh, crap. Yeah, you, you guys should not kiss. What? 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 We weren't going to. Maybe we were. Stop it. That's weird. Stop it now. I mean, my my favorite thing of 616 Marvel is that um, for like five or six years recently... Conan the Barbarian was an Avenger, so <laughs> just Wait, hanging out in New York City, part of the team: Luke Cage, Spider-Man, Wolverine, and Conan. Conan, Conan the, Barbarian. the Barbarian. How the hell did he get yep. out of Samaria? Magic, magic, yeah, okay. magic is a part of Marvel Universe. I'm re- uh, did you ever listen to the Wastelanders? I uh, I, I was saving. I tried. I tried. It was real dry for me. I didn't get anywhere with it. Did you get through Star Lord, or and, or did you? I got. I did the first episode of Star Lord and was like, mm. uh, I like Star Lord. Star Lord is so so. Uh, Hawkeye's real good. Black Widow's actively bad. Wolverine's very good, and Doom is Doom is great. Doom is like, <laughs> Doom is. I mean, you could probably honestly, you could probably jump ahead to Doom. The only problem with Doom is that like he's not the voice actor from the nineteen nineties Fantastic Four cartoon, which is what i think doom sounds like in my head canon like a gravitas british accent for some reason Isn't for me like it's the Wayne? 1960s how does he's latverian how does he sound? does he have a does he have a, a have you ever accent? listened to a lot of mf doom records because like it's like it's really exactly. like bar- barky <laughs> like, barky through a weird filter and uh mf doom chops him up to make make records and i'm like that's what doom sounds like <laughs> i doom master of the world yeah yes which is not un- dissimilar to the 1990s but yeah so he, he's like i mean i know he's supposed to be older and i think that's a little bit where they have to where they like all of the voice actors it's like 30 it takes place about 30 years after the heyday of the heroes so and like and the, the plot line is, is basically that the the Zemo and Skull and uh, Doom essentially like team up and take over the world and successfully kill all the heroes in one shot because they actually like get their shit together except for like 
a few like ragtag band of misfits who survived this long. God, Any- what use did Doom have with Zemo? Hmm? What use would Doom have with Baron Zemo? So, I mean, well, it kind of seems to be that they just needed to like like Doom, and that's what once they get to it. <laughs> it's sort of like this is doom's plan but he like in his mind he needed like lieutenants to control like the population so he sure was, i guess because like weak enough to be subservient yeah no but so like when they divvied it up and it also seemed to be that like doom had like bigger designs on like the cosmic cube and whatnot so like doom was just like man taking over the world is just like phase one baby like he didn't seem to be that interested in like controlling people whereas like skull did mm-hmm. like skull took the like Skull took the East Coast, Zemo took the West Coast, and Doom was like, I'll take the middle. And by that, I mean Quest for the Cosmic Cube, which is very, like, Doom-like. It's very Doom. <laughs> you know? that's, that's the best part of Secret Wars, right? All the good guys, all the bad guys fight, and the Beyonder says the winner will get anything their heart desires. Mm-hmm. And Doom is like, fuck that. I want to capture the Beyonder. <laughs> <laughs> let's go baby yeah the, the number of like, i don't i don't want a genie to give me wishes i want a genie yeah exactly like it, it's it's the the writing in the doom one is so good because like it's simultaneously like doom is obviously supposed to be like rusty he's been like he, for reasons he's been held captive for like 30 years so everyone's like oh man he's like so weak and he's like meddling fools and just like very like old school doom just like tremble before doom and just like all the time and then also is like the the perfect like the perfect mix of like how I like Doctor Doom, which is like overconfident to like a stupid fault, but also like extremely capable, like at the same time. Where you're like yeah. from one minute to the next, you're just being like, Wow, what a perfect plan just hatched and he like gets the cosmic cube and then because he doesn't think that anyone can possibly best him, immediately loses it. Like within five <laughs> minutes. It's like very on Doctor Doom brand for the comics. Like I, I was reading a thread this week where they were talking about who has the greatest rogues gallery. And everyone was like, easily it's Batman, then it's Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And then most people were kind of like, it's pretty much X-Men after that. I guess, yeah. And and then after that, someone was like, after that, it's the Fantastic Four. And the argument was like, Doom. it absolutely <laughs> isn't. And he's like, yeah, but Doctor Doom. <laughs> and then you're yeah, like, but like I guess Annihilus so. and Blastar and the Inhumans, they all... Like the the frightful four, they all they all suck. It's like yeah, but but Doom is Doctor Doom. Is Doctor Doom enough to like hang an entire rogues gallery on? Possibly. <laughs> it's like compared to who? Like Captain America, Thor. I mean, Thor has Loki. Super- ish. Superman. Superman's Super- a great comparable. Superman has Lex. Right. Doom is better than Lex. I would say. Yeah, I would agree. Okay, and then then go down to the dregs of Superman. After that, he fights Brainiac, <laughs> Brainiac, the Parasite, General Zod, Bizarro, B- Bizarro, the, the, the dumb Superman. <laughs> you know like, that's not a great that's not a great villain. Uh, in the in the what do you call it in the Wastelanders podcast? There's also a great moment where uh, so featured heavily featuring Valeria Reeds. <clears throat> Richards. Richards. Reed Richards' daughter. Valeria Richards. Somehow Doctor Doom is her godfather. Because, you know, comic book logic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so, like, she's like, he's like, she's like, I did some digging on you. You, like, took over Silver Surfer's, like, powers and whatever else like that. And I, you know what? You had it for ten days. Ten days and you blew up a few buildings. 
those 10 days, you could have really taken over the earth, and you didn't, Victor. And he's like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, but it's true. He pretty much did nothing. He just zipped her. He just like zipped around on the surfboard and was like, wah. That's like, that's Isn't 1990s. That what you do? I would sure. I sure would. Yeah, I know, but like, you're supposed what to be Dr. Do? Doom. But yeah, how many people he like, he, it's, it's. Ten episodes long. If you you don't need to know the rest of them, I would recommend as a fan of Doom, Scott. If you could jump ahead straight to Doom, there there's so much good Doctor Doomness, and of just like again, wildly underestimating his enemies, being super effective in one moment, and then just like immediate comeuppance, and him being like ah, and then just like getting them again. <laughs> like, and also there's like at one point like uh he's like hanging out with kingpin or whatever and kingpin thinks he has the upper hand and then he starts being like ah, so, so. But like what are you doing he's like magic and he just like hits him with magic because he, he's also a magician <laughs> i i think that might be the worst part of the fantastic four movies is that doom is so bad in all of them like just just so bad in all of them yeah. Like, it's I, almost unforgivable. And they're, they want to make him in, like, a big bad in the MCU, right? Like, I think that they said that they want, once they wrap Kang, they want to have, like, Doom. And I was like, I don't know if he's a big bad, though. Is Doom really a... Like, I know he kind of can be, but, like, he's not he's not a Kang and he's not a he's not a Thanos. Like, unless he gets... Well, I was going to say, and they also kind of wrecked the Cosmic Cube and made it a... Like... An Infinity Stone. Made it in an Infinity Stone. Like, at the end of the day, was Thanos really well done? I don't really think so. He didn't get like enough enough pump before the big movie. Yeah, he did. Well, I mean, the Infinity mm-hmm. Stones did. Stones kind of did, but it was all like, like each, stuff each at the stone end of a movie. Sure, but I'm just saying. But like each stone that got to like like the Tesseract and the Cosmic Cube got to be like around. True. True. And and those were like reflected as like strong enough to like amp up a power, like a villain like loki or whatever else like that you know so it's like the idea that like other heroes have taken a single one of, or other villains have taken a single one of these stones and like took over new york yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. but he he could have been like the villain of one of the movies at least to like prep him up a little bit for the big two-parter yeah i mean i honestly i think they could have they could have had like regular ass thanos yeah. in the ronin role in guardians one 100 percent and like it would have or just... in one of the Thor movies like they had rando guys as I guess they're not rando but they're like I mean Destroyer is Destroyer bro yeah okay <laughs> and uh, what's his name the the dark elf guy is like a big deal in Thor comics for the cast yeah, that, that movie is very bad because <laughs> that bad guy is real not interesting but yeah thanks Kenneth Branagh <laughs> thanks Kenneth Branagh but yeah, but I, I like would it like have been in, in the in the Walt Simonson books that character is like flamboyant and like dancing and laughing the whole time. In the movie, they made him a dour, cutout soldier. The same as all the other ones. Like just it's, they're so bad. Even Hella, Hella could have been cooler. Like that's it's it's Kate Blanchett. Right? She, I don't know. Hella was Hella, Hella was, was pretty, pretty cool. fucking good. Maybe the best part of the movie. Maybe uh, that movie's like, pretty good. Like Jeff Goldblum's in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> that movie is really enjoyable, but like, but, but, she but still... she's she's a pretty good villain. I don't like, really remember her plan. There with... That's what revenge I'm saying. Is I try to like think she, of like she revenge on her father. She murders Odin and takes over Asgard and then destroys it when she can't hold it. I know she blows up Asgard, but that's what I'm saying. I don't know what her plan. The Valkyrie shots where it's like a painting, a badass. 
Mm-hmm. Like she stabs Odin right right through the guts. He's like, yes. you, you were, you you were too cold and brutal. And she's like, I still am stabbed. It's good. Yeah, I really just you know, but if you had to tell me who the bad guy was in Ragnarok, I really would have said Jeff Goldblum before I thought about Hela. <laughs> I mean, they're both. It's, it's I know they're both the bad guy. Oh, by the way, I, I talked about this with Scott. Uh, in person, but I forgot to circle back on the podcast, John. I, I read Scott's favorite comic book. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's so good. so silly. Which one? The, it's just the... So Marvel 2-in-1 Annual number 7. Marvel 2-in-1 Annual number 7. Marvel 2-in-1 was, was a comic book in the 70s and 80s that started the thing and someone teaming else. up with someone. Which is that which is wild. The comic book. First of all, like so, this is like I read a couple of the Marvel two and ones. It's super strange as a whole premise for a running book. So it's like the two and one annual is is happening once a year, but there was a two and one happening monthly. So that means that like they were like, hey, you know who needs a monthly? The thing. You mean where the he's still from the Fantastic Four? Yes, where yeah. he's still in the Fantastic Four, but this is just like what he gets up to when he's not doing Fantastic Four stuff. Like that's the comic, it's and like he's hanging out with goddamn everybody else in the end. It's like in the Marvel like comics world. Because he lives in New York. Yeah, I guess they're they're at least they're all they're all around. So it's just sort of like hey, Spider Man, who's on the yeah. list? Everybody. Anyway, so this one, all Marvel. of the Avengers, all of the Fantastic Four, Spider Man, all of the dumb B heroes that they interact with. So. Uh, Pooja, Pooja, the intergalactic boxing promoter, <laughs> appears on Earth, and is just sort of like, you're a big, strong guy, like, uh, I'm going to enter you in a tournament, and grabs, Scott will be able to fill me in, uh, I'm going to try to do it from memory, The Thing, Wonder Man, The Hulk, Sasquatch, Colossus, Thor, Doc Samson, Namor. Anyone That's else? It. Hey, I got all eight of them. So just grabs those those eight. And at one point, so they all like disappear off Earth and they get like trained in this boxing facility. And it's going to be a boxing fight. Not a not a like no holds barred battle to the finish. This will be a boxing bout. So much so that you later on you left out the plot. Oh yeah, because <laughs> the, the elder champion of the universe. Called like the, the champion. The collector, the games master, like the champion goes from planet to planet testing a planet's worthiness through boxing the spirit of competition through boxing through boxing so put some puffy gloves on <laughs> put some gloves on fight fight in, fight in the ring like so much so that like later on in the comic when uh like when the hulk gets like gets a little crazy and tries to like suplex him or whatever he's like you don't respect the rules of boxing and just like beams him away and therefore he like the hulk forfeits so it's not that the hulk could not potentially beat him up it's that the hulk got too angry to like abide by the rules of boxing <laughs> He punches his hands together so hard his gloves come off, and then he tries to rip his face off. Yeah, and they're like, "No." The champion sir. is like, "Nope, you're not gone. boxing now." Uh, <laughs> that that makes sense. That tracks, you know. Yeah. <laughs> At one point, they're just like, "She looks like, why didn't he pick me?" And they're like, "I don't know. Maybe he's sexist." <laughs> it's just like and a throwaway line. Is, but but he totally is. <laughs> like, it's like Hawkeye's like, she I don't, don't know. <laughs> Like, there's no reason. Like, I would like, like, strength for strength, She-Hulk is top three. Like, yeah, easily top three. Like, more so than Wonder Man, more so than Colossus. Like, if you're thinking, like, who's, like, strongest, like... Yeah, yeah, She-Hulk. 
anyway, so then it gets crazier though. If you're thinking of like, where does this boxing match take place, John? Paint paint a picture. Where would this boxing match take place? For the fate of the planet. For the fate of the planet against an intergalactic boxing man. Vegas. Close. Oh, so close. So close. It takes place under a protective um, force field around a ring in the middle of Madison Square Garden. Okay, that would that would have been the other. The, but like, not in space, not on like his like his platform or whatever. No, this it is clearly brought to you by the fine people of the boxing promotion industry. For sure, I mean, but <laughs> and and it exists in canon. It's not like they erase humanity's memory or whatever. Like Scott was saying, he's like, how do they not talk about this more often? Whenever the thing is there, people are like, yo, I saw you on pay per view in the eighties. You had <laughs> freaking ten rounds with the champion. It was crazy. With the fate of the world at stake. Yeah, exactly. You boxed for the fate of the world and, like, didn't win, but, like, showed the fighting spirit. Wait, and, like, he didn't win? So. Well, hang on. The, ch- the champion also, it's, John, you got to understand, they agree to and come up with contracts to broadcast this on Yeah, yeah it's, it, it is broadcast on, like, closed circuit TV and whatever. Everyone like, can watch it and they sell tickets. The fans go in to Madison Square Garden to watch the fate of the universe be decided. <laughs> In a it's, boxing match, they're like, "Let's go, Hulk! Save it's, us all!" It's so silly. It's big hosses doing big punches. And then the, I was like, "This is Scott's favorite." This is Scott, where he I was just sort of like, "This is just like the long Halloween." Every, <laughs> every time I see this comic, I buy this comic. I, I maybe, <laughs> I eight or nine. <laughs> you gotta let me hear comics. It's amazing. But I also love that Scott has eight or nine thing. issues of this. But I was like, "Hey, I have all of Comics Unlimited or whatever on this," and he was like, "Oh, you should read this one." He's never just passed me one of his eight or nine copies. Do you, do you know why I have eight or nine copies? You, you never lend toilet them to paper because I read them. I put them in the box. I put the box in the storage room, and then I'm like, oh, "I should read this again." I can go to the comic shop and get it for two bucks. Whoop! That is two dollars of effort. <laughs> Take me like. An hour and a half to go to get out of the boxes. <laughs> Every convention I've ever gone to, I've left with a copy because I'm like, oh, there it is, fifty cents. Mine. I'm going to read it now. <laughs> I won't have to look for it. Can ride it. Read it on the metro ride home. Yay! <clears throat> yep. If I see it, I pick it up because it's it's never more than two bucks because they, it's from like the heyday of Marvel comics and they, they printed out a bajillion of them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, Namor refuses to fight. He's like, this boxing match is beneath me. They're like, fine, disqualified. The world is beneath you? You fucking yep. suck, Namor. I mean, it's pretty on Doc Samson, the, the psychologist with the radioactive-powered hair, gets knocked out by a training machine. He's like, you won't even make it to the ring. Get out of here. Go home. Disqualified. But yeah, so... Uh, Hulk, Hulk's out. Yeah, exactly. Uh... <clears throat> Wonder Man does okay, I want to say. Until he freaks out and rips the ring apart. Wonder Man? Or, yes, up. or Colossus. No, no yeah, yeah. Colossus goes down like a chump. Colossus. No, Sasquatch goes down like a chump. Sasquatch goes down like a chump. He, like, flies at him with a crossbody. And it's like, this, you're not even guarding your chin. Punch. This is a super Colossus. His name is Sasquatch, and he's a Sasquatch? That's the... That's, that's yep. the yeah, man, he's, he's from Alpha Flight. He's Canadian. Know your, know your history. Guess what province he's from. Saskatchewan. The Sasquatch from Saskatchewan. Colossus does okay, but he can't. He can't keep up with them. He gets. He's, he's he gets got no finishing power. Yeah, he just he just eats it until he starts drooling. 
But yeah, then, so like, the, but the idea is that the, the challenge is to like determine your fighting spirit. Like it, it's like the champion is a god. Like he's not like he's like listen, you're not going to beat me. You're just going to show me that you have the fighting spirit, and that's that's the challenge. People beat up Thor all the time. Oh, Thor is the other one. We left Thor out. Yeah. Oh yeah, because so Thor uses his hammer, and then he's like disqualified. You brought your hammer in here. He's like to challenge Thor is to challenge Mjolnir, and like would you like fine? They're like fine. You can use you can hold the hammer, and he's like fine, and he goes with the boxing gloves with the hammer sticking out of them, but he gets disqualified when he throws the hammer. Yeah, like, but, no. but he's also he's like he's like first he's like no you can't use your hammer. I banish it to another dimension, and then it's like just like flies back into his hand, and like champions like. Uh, well, I guess you can't do that because that's how that works. <laughs> <Plus>, like, <laughs> Mjolnir just returns to him no matter what. So then he's like, "You can hold it," but then he throws it, and he's like, "No, get out of here, you! <laughs> you, you, you don't understand the the spirit of the sport." Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the the last remaining fighter at the end, the fate of the world comes in. It's the thing. Also, hang and on, like, we forgot to say that the champion is wearing boxing trunks. That have Everlast on them, so he has like he presumably bought local for his boxing trunks, <laughs> or he's sponsored. Again, we sure, don't know that. sure, exactly. That is like Puja, the intergalactic boxing promoter, seems really interested in selling money to this event, not just challenging mm-hmm. the fighting spirit. Like champions into the fighting spirit, but he has a promoter. It was like I'm here he to make some money. Cut. He has a little bowler hat and a cane, and is like a little insectoid man. It's <laughs> great. Uh, <laughs> Thing shows up like with his hands taped up, his rock hands taped up before he puts the gloves on. He's got the robe, the hood over. He's like, We're gonna get this done. It's coming out to LL Cool J. It's gotta be. It's gotta be. <laughs> I think it might be before, but whatever. Just LL was there. He was he was writing it live. Exactly. Before he recorded it. I'm gonna knock you out. Uh and thing uh Puts up a good fight, lasts the first round. No one and no one's ever gone three rounds is the big thing that they keep saying. No one's ever gone two. Or no one's ever made it to the third round. Yeah. Yeah. No one's ever made it to the third round. So he goes into the second round, takes a beating, gives it back, chips a tooth of the champion. Uh breaks his ribs, he can't his eyes all puffy, like all the flesh underneath his rocks are, are destroyed. He goes to the third round. The ref is like, we've got to call it off. We've got to call it off. They're on the towel and things like, no way. And he's just in the corner eating shots, eating shots, and then the bell goes off. End of the third round. Ref stops the fight. He's like, this is over. It's like, you, you, you made it through three, but you'll never survive four. Like, if, if you go to the fourth round, you will die. And raises the champion's hand, and then the thing crawls over to him. He's like, you didn't, you didn't really beat me. The ref stopped the fight. <laughs> You never really beat me in the champion's like, And I don't think I ever would. Saves the planet. Fighting spirit. Bubble goes. Saves the world. And then the thing collapses in a pile of his own blood in the ring as the heroes and the fans. With presumably several billion people watching him fight for the fate of the mm-hmm. Earth. And he saves the day. Imagine how sick of that you'd get. Like every other week, some alien shit shows up and some random guy in a cape beats it up and it goes away. Think how tired of that you'd get. I'm going to go hide it. Now that you've read it, Dexter's Laboratory had a a sub show called Dial M for Monkey. Okay. Which was like a not anything to do with Dexter's Lab except he created a monkey that had superpowers. Mm -hmm. And he'd hang out with like Marvel 
um, <clears throat> like pastiches. Mm-hmm. And they do the champion of the earth. Marvel 2 and 1 Annual 7, like a whole... They do a whole episode, episode to it. A whole episode to it. <laughs> Same thing, all the all the heroes taking their beatings, except the Champion of the Earth, and this is what makes it just even better as a comic book, is voiced by the one and only Randy Macho Man Savage. Yeah, that's great. Oh yeah, I come to this planet to bring to you the fighting spirit and test your measures against me, the champion of the universe. And it's like, oh my god. That's perfect. I'm so happy. In my head, he kind of sounded like Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, like... no. You, you've got to find this. <laughs> this one, like, 12-minute cartoon. And it's it's just so good. And it's uncredited. Randy <laughs> Savage is not credited in it, but it's it's him, and he, he's not even as Randy Poffo. Like no, no, not even. Like he's not in the in the credits. But you're like, Bone Saw is ready. It's perfect. Oh my god, that also that just reminds me to sink back the, for obvious reasons, the credits to the Barbie movie are hilarious. <laughs> it's just a wall of people named Barbie, and then a wall of people named Ken. Because <laughs> everyone in Barbie. Land. <laughs> And it doesn't specify, it doesn't even say, like, President Barbie, Beach Barbie, whatever. It's just, like, ten Barbies, ten Kens, and then, like, real-world characters. I was like, excellent. Well done. Uh, I think this was the 90s, everybody. Stay strikes the thing. Thanks for sticking around to the very end of this show. That means you're our number one fan. As our number one fan, maybe you're wondering a way that you can show your support for this. We've set up a few ways, and the boys are going to tell you about it now. If you like this show, you might know other people that like this show, or maybe they'll like some of the other stuff that we're doing on the website. If that's the case, you can tell them all about it using all of the social networks, like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on all of those. Or you could just you know, send people links directly to the website. Or if you live in a world without the internet and you only listen to podcasts, you can tell people about it with your human mouth. There's other ways we could support us, John. If your interest in supporting us extends to the financial section, you might consider patreon.com slash 9to5cc. If you go there, you can get perks like early content, you can get your questions answered on the air, and you can get extra art. We've been doing this show for a long time, so we kind of know what we're doing. Not really. 905.cc. <laughs> Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.